The humanitarian crisis at our southern border and the mainstream media puppets. Yes, puppets. I will display what I'm talking about in just a few moments. But that's the subject of tonight's point of view. Earlier today, President Trump went down to the southern border in Texas, had a phenomenal roundtable discussion with Border Patrol, U.S. Senators, Commissioners, all kinds of leaders from the state of Texas. And what he wanted to do really is go down and just show you, you and I, the American people, what this humanitarian crisis is all about, what we face as a nation right now with this humanitarian crisis at our border, and really how it's impacting every single American citizen in a myriad of ways. So you also had people there that had lost family members to illegal immigrants. In fact, I'm sure many of you remember this young man. This is a photo here of Officer Singh. It's his wife and his five-month-old child. This was, I believe, Christmas Day. Shortly after this photo was taken, Officer Singh was on parole and was gunned down by a gang-banging illegal immigrant. So one person that joined President Trump today down at the border was Officer Singh's brother. I want to share with you some of what he had to say. Whatever it takes to minimize, put a stop to it, my family fully supports it. At 33 years old, Ronil Singh was cremated and I had to pick up his remains. It breaks my heart and no one should ever, ever go through that. Looking at that five-month-old baby, looking for his dad, no one should ever go through that on Christmas Day. Christmas Day, five-month-old baby, never see his father again. That was one of the guests that was there. There was a mom there of a Border Patrol agent that had lost his life as well to an illegal immigrant. So after the roundtable, President Trump actually went out to the border to meet with some people that are on the front lines, people that are there every single day, because I want to bring this up, because how often do you hear from, especially on the left, walls don't work, uh, physical barriers not going to stop illegal immigration. <laughs> you hear this ridiculous line that if we build a 15-foot wall, they're going to have a 16-foot ladder. I mean, just ridiculous stuff. So let's talk about the facts from people that are there on the front lines. There was a Border Patrol leader that was there today. Here's what he said about the impact of a fence or a wall or a steel slats, whatever you want to call it, a physical barrier. Part of our area is covered with some fencing on our east side. That accounts for about 6% of our traffic. Where we have no fencing, over 90% of our traffic occurs in those areas. Okay, folks, I mean, what, you don't have to say any more. That's it. There you go, it works. Walls work. That person also went on to say that just yesterday, just yesterday in McAllen, Texas, they apprehended 450 people just in that little area on the border. Here's the other thing he mentioned that I think uh, raised a lot of eyebrows. 133 of those people were from other countries other than Mexico and Central America. Because we always hear, hey, it's only Central Americans, it's only Mexicans. He's like, look, we got people from Pakistan, China, and many, many other countries. And that was just yesterday. One other important thing that President Trump brought up in this roundtable, one idea that was floated today was possibly having the federal government maybe give the money to Texas as a state. Texas wants to build this wall all along their border, including areas of the Rio Grande River. So they said, hey, just give us the money. We'll build it ourselves as a state. That way you don't have to necessarily deal as much uh, with Congress. Or Texas might even use the money. But they're looking at some different ways to get this thing done. Now, as we all have been talking about it for quite some time here on Point of View, if the Dems won't deal, 
President Trump will declare a national emergency. He wants to do it through Congress. He wants to do a deal. But as we've been talking about now for the last few days here, this is such a humanitarian, such a serious humanitarian crisis that President Trump will declare a national emergency. The thing that I want to bring up to you is this, because as we've been talking about this humanitarian crisis, you hear that, hey, a wall is immoral, this crisis is manufactured, all kinds of talking points. But you never heard that when somebody said it back on June 30th of 2014. I want to share a quick clip of you, President Barack Obama, and please listen closely to what he said back in 2014. We now have an actual humanitarian crisis on the border that only underscores the need to drop the politics and fix our immigration system once and for all. In recent weeks, we've seen a surge of unaccompanied children arrive at the border, brought here and to other countries by smugglers and traffickers. The journey is unbelievably dangerous for these kids. I mean, it's stunning. That's, that is exactly, which I'm going to show you in a moment, basically what President Trump is saying now, President Obama, humanitarian crisis at the border, kids being brought here by, uh, by smugglers, uh, traffickers. I mean, the language is almost the exact same thing. The thing is, though, when back in 2014, when President Barack Obama would say the mainstream media would just fawn over it. This is such a cry. This is so horrible. Barack Obama said so. But then now I want you to do is listen to President Trump. This is just from Tuesday night in the Oval Office. Listen to what he had to say. It's almost identical to what Barack Obama said. This is a humanitarian crisis, a crisis of the heart and a crisis of the soul. Last month, 20,000 migrant children were illegally brought into the United States, a dramatic increase. These children are used as human pawns by vicious coyotes and ruthless gangs. One in three women are sexually assaulted on the dangerous trek up through Mexico. Women and children are the biggest victims by far of our broken system. This is why I believe President Trump says that the mainstream media is the, or the fake news, I should say, he calls them the fake news, the fake news is the enemy of the people. 2014, Barack Obama says it. They're fawning. Oh, my goodness. This, we got to get this done. The Republicans are the problem. President Trump says basically the exact same thing, what, four and a half, five years later, and they make up an entirely different dialogue, conversation around what President Trump is saying, which I'm going to show you in a moment. And I warned you about this on Tuesday night. I got to play this for you. On Tuesday night, uh, before President Trump's address, I shared with you, so I'm going to play for you in a moment, but I want to kind of sum it up. I said, be very, very diligent, careful about what the sound bites are going to be before President Trump's address, what they're going to be after the address, because essentially you're going to see the mainstream media and the Democrats collude. They're like one and the same. Here's the warning I gave you Tuesday night. So the networks, of course, they cave. I mean, for all we know, they probably coerced and worked with the liberal media to say, hey, look, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to say. Here's what I do know that they're trying to do that I think is very, very important. What you want to be aware of as you watch the sound bites tonight in the media, the sound bites tomorrow in the media, they're already laying this kind of groundwork for President Trump to dismiss or disavow what he's going to share with you tonight as the American people. So again, essentially what I was saying there is look, be, pay attention. You're going to hear the exact same sound bites, the exact same clips, the exact same language.
from the Democrats and <laughs> really now, if you're honest with yourself, the Democrats and the mainstream media, they're, they're one and the same. I mean, let's just, just be honest. They're the exact, it's like the Democrats send out the press releases and go, hey, here's what we're gonna say. If you guys can just puppet these exact same lines, then we're all gonna win in their own eyes. I mean, they literally are like puppets. It's so bad that some people that have got a lot more producers than we do, they started to string together clips of what Democrat, elected Democrats would say, and then we're gonna follow this up here with what the actual mainstream media said. And you'll see the mainstream media, they are puppets of the Democrat party. All state that this is a manufactured crisis and a crisis that uh, manufactured by the Trump administration. This is a manufactured crisis, Bill. How he manufactures crises like immigrants seeking legal refuge. What the president is doing is manufacturing a crisis. President Trump must stop holding the American people hostage, must stop manufacturing a crisis. This president just used the backdrop of the Oval Office to manufacture a crisis. Folks, the president has manufactured one heck of a political crisis for himself. Donald Trump is manufacturing a national security crisis. You will hear them message. say mm -hmm. is that this is a manufactured crisis. It's not a national security crisis. From Nancy Pelosi down to Debbie Wasserman Schultz or anybody else who will give him a dime for this project. Because so it's manufactured. It's a manufactured crisis for the president to get a political win. We have a president who will go on TV tonight and lie and lie and lie some more. This is a manufactured crisis. I mean, I watched that. And it's so disturbing, especially being in this business. It's so sad that, I mean, I want to cry and all I can do is laugh to see that they're one of the same. Democrats go out there, they have their talking points, and then the mainstream media just slurps it up like a bunch of puppets and spews the exact same stuff. So good news is this. As we all know, there are some Democrats, especially in Congress, they won some seats that Trump had won. They're a little bit more Republican than normal. They are feeling the heat because of this government shutdown and starting to say, hey, this strategy of not having a wall or a barrier and protecting Americans, this isn't working out so well in my district. So one of those people that could possibly be swayable, that's a Democrat, that possibly could stand up to Nancy Pelosi and say, look, guys, the shutdown's not good. Not protecting Americans not good. We've got to get something done here. Find a compromise and protect American citizens. One of those people could be Congressman Colin Peterson. A couple weeks ago, I asked him about funding the wall. Here's what he had to say. Would you vote for a bill that had the five billion for the wall in it? Um, depends on what else is in there, and you know I'm not necessarily against it, but I'm not sure I'm convinced that it's it's that big a deal. <laughs> it is to the president, obviously, but you know I think other uh, aspects are actually more important. You know the the um, drones and the infrared and all that kind of stuff. You know I think that's actually more important than the wall is myself. So a lot of this is gonna boil down to you. If we're gonna get a compromise, it's gonna take the American people to call up their Congress people and say, hey, look, we want a wall. We want some sort of physical barrier. So I'm gonna give you Congressman Colin Peterson's phone number to his DC office here. You can call him at 202-225-2165, 202-225-2165. We've included Senator Tina Smith, Senator Amy Klobuchar as well. They are Democrat senators that, who knows, if you put enough phone calls into them, Maybe they will have a change of heart and actually see that, you know what, rather than having their 2020 mantra be, hey, we're going to put illegal aliens first, maybe they'll actually put Americans first. I'd love to know your point of view. Do you see this now? Especially when you see what President Barack Obama said, do you now see this as a humanitarian crisis? And how shocked are you? Maybe you're not 
at the mainstream media puppets. As I showed you with that clip and that montage just a few moments ago, please share your point of view with us. All right, some North Dakota legislators have floated the idea of having as an elective, this is a very key word here, an elective course, the opportunity to study the Old and New Testament of the Bible in class. Some people are telling you out there that this is mandatory. It's absolutely, they, they have to study this if they're going to graduate. According to one of the sponsors of the bill, that is not true. I actually reached out to Senator Ole Larson earlier today. He sent me back an email. Here's what he emailed me back. He says, look, it's an elective and it's not a Bible study. It is Bible history. If we can bring this up, please, or ancient religion. It can take the place of a world history for an example. So I want to get that out there because there's been a lot of different conversations about what this bill is. We'll see where it obviously ends up. But Valley News team Maddie Gell says she reached out to the superintendent of Central Cast Schools, Morgan Fornis. Here's some of what he had to say about the bill. I think the, uh, uh, the Constitution, you know, is clear about the separation of church and state. And I think when you mandate one particular faith, learning about one particular faith over another, you probably uh, cross that line. So two things here. One, again, not mandated, it's elective. With all due respect, look, I, this gets conflated a lot, so I'm not meaning to point out Mr. Fornis, but I'm doing this because this gets in conflated with a lot of people. The Constitution actually says absolutely nothing, does it not even use the word separation of church and state. Remember, that term, separation of church and state, that comes from Thomas Jefferson. It's been used now in some SCOTUS rulings. I do know that, but Thomas Jefferson, that comes from a letter that he wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association in Connecticut way back in the day. So that's what he said in the letter. It's not in the Constitution. What the Constitution actually says in the First Amendment is that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So some of you I know might be saying, hey, Berg, you're splitting hairs. But I only do that because as you go out and about in your life, how many times have you heard people say, well, the Constitution says separation of church and state. It does not say that. To me, words matter. That is a very, very important distinction to realize that, hey, that, that term is out there, but it's not actually in the Constitution. That First Amendment piece was that so that government would not have a sponsored religion within the state, within the nation, like it was back in the early 13 colonies. If you're not aware of this, Massachusetts actually did have a sort of state religion back in the day when it was first colonized. And that's why obviously Thomas Jefferson, our founders, said, eh, we're not so sure we're into that. We want to give people in America the opportunity to have freedom of religion. That's why obviously so many people have flooded our borders. So many people are saying this bill is going to end up being unconstitutional. Again, it's an elective. It's not mandated that, you know, if you live in North Dakota, you have to obviously only uh, pray to Jesus or read the Old Testament or the New Testament. It's not saying that at all. It says it's an opportunity to study the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it's an elective for a social studies, uh, I don't know, credit or whatever they call them these days. So I just wanted to give you some clarity on this thing because you're going to hear a lot about this as time goes on. A lot of conversation about what should we be doing uh, with the legacy fund earnings? How should we use, we've got about five to $6 billion down the legacy fund. The thing's kicking out about $300 million, I believe. Maybe it's a year, biennium. But how, how do you create a legacy in North Dakota? What does that look like to you if you're gonna use that legacy fund? You're hearing about now a Teddy Roosevelt uh, possible library, $50 million of state money to build a Teddy Roosevelt library, which 
Again, it's two to one. You need private money. So you're talking about $150 million. That's a pretty sweet library. What I want to propose to you is this. For you at home, what could you do with another $866 a year? If you had an extra $866 a year in your pocket, would that make a difference for you and your family? I think for many people, $866 makes a tremendous difference. And I bring that number up because that's what the average North Dakotan person that files their taxes, the average North Dakotan pays $866 a year in income taxes. In my opinion, let's eliminate income taxes with the legacy fund earnings. It's going to take a little while. Get that done. Put the money back in the pockets of the people of North Dakotans. Would love to know your point of view on that.